We are in uh, week four, our final week, actually, of our friendship series. Uh, Maybe it's just me, but I think one of the most interesting and also uh, disturbing things about our culture nowadays is that everybody is always offended about everything. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you can't say anything to anyone anymore. I was actually going to give you a, a whole bunch of examples of things that you used to be able to say 25 years ago, but now you can't say. But then I thought if I read it, you, everybody would get offended. And so I guess you're not going to read it. There's been a lot of written in, in the last year or two about how this is really affecting a leadership in our, in our culture. So for instance, many of our teachers, and we have a ton of teachers that attend this church, many of our teachers are struggling, especially those who have been teachers for a long time, because they used to be able to challenge students to improve and expect just automatic support from parents. And now so many of our parents are offended that the teacher thinks that little Johnny's behavior ought to approve. Uh, I read an article a, a few years ago that talked about another issue that was really uh, a difficulty for many Americans, particularly in rural parts of the country. In many rural cities now, small towns are struggling to find anyone, literally anyone, to run for public office. No one will run for the mayor or for city council because people just don't want to deal with the criticism anymore amongst many other reasons. And as we close out our friendship series, I think we've got to talk about how this new development is deeply affecting our friendships. Maybe about a month ago, I read uh, an article that I feel like summed up this change of friendship really well. I'm going to read to you a, a portion of it. It read like this. Concerning the moral content of classical friendship and its commitment to virtue and mutual improvement, that has been lost. We have ceased to believe that a friend's highest purpose is to summon us to good by offering moral advice and correction. We practice instead, and I love this phrase, the non-judgmental friendship of unconditional acceptance and support. That's friendship in 2020. We seem to be terribly fragile now. A friend nowadays fulfills her duty, we suppose, by taking our side, validating our feelings, supporting our decisions, helping us feel good about ourselves. We tell white lies, make excuses when a friend does something wrong. We do what we can do to keep the boat steady. We're busy people, and we want our friendships fun and friction-free. And I feel like that's a, that's a pretty good summary of the state of friendships in America in 2020. I talk to so many people nowadays, and I see this a lot actually on social media as well, where people uh, essentially express this sentiment. They'll say, listen, if your friend is not agreeing with you, they're not supporting you, they're not helping you feel better about yourself, then they're not your friend. And when I hear that kind of stuff, I think, okay, if, if I have a person like that in my life, that's not my friend, that's a liar. And I don't need more liars around me. Now listen, I'm not saying that I want my friends to always be disagreeing with me and constantly be challenging me. It's probably not a friend either. But a friend should never support you in everything you do and say. Right? Because you and I are not that perfect. I'm far from it. The teaching of the Bible is that I can do nothing good apart from the grace of God. That doesn't speak very highly of my inherent goodness. 
And that means I'm going to have a ton of blind spots. Okay, let me show you something. Will everybody just uh, stand up for one second? Go ahead. Stand. If you're able, just uh, stand up for a second. Okay. Now, I want you to look at yourself. Go ahead. Just, well, that's incredible. Look at yourself. Okay. How much of your own body can you see? Take a look around. Guess a percentage. What would you say? Shout out. 42, yeah, maybe like 40, that's, a, that's, that's actually what scientists say. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's maybe 40, 45%. You can't see your face. You've got stuff all over it, oh, by the way, I'm just kidding. Right? You can't see the top of your head. Uh, you can't see o- almost anything of the back part of your body. You have blind spots all over your body. All right, you can sit down. Now think about this. There's a large part, in fact, over half of your body that you can't see without some sort of aid with your own eyes. But that is also true of your character. There are character defects that I have that I do not see. There are ways that I incorrectly treat people that I'm completely blind to. Or uh, when it comes to my decision-making, there are decisions that I'm making and that you're making that are just flat-out wrong. But we're blind to the fact that it's wrong. We just don't see it. Here's the thing about friends. Friends see things that you don't see about yourself because they're looking at you from a different angle. Like, uh, for example, I'm so thankful for my wife whom, uh, when I, like, uh, sit on a kitchen chair at, at home and unbeknownst to me, uh, one of my kids got chocolate chip muffin all over the chair. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? And I, I sit down, and then right after that, I'm leaving for an important meeting, and my wife says... Um, you might want to change your pants, right? <laughs> oh, come on, right? Well, it's a blind spot, and I'm never going to see it without a friend around me. Our friends can see almost all of our blind spots. And here's the way that I'm looking at it. Okay, if my friends can see almost all of my blind spots, why not let them tell me about it? just pretending that we don't have blind spots when everybody clearly sees our blind spots, you know what that is? That's insane. Are we that insecure? Are we that prideful? Are we that sensitive that we can't admit that we have blind spots and weaknesses? Some of you in this room are trying so hard to show the people around you that you are perfect, that you don't mess up. But listen, I just, I, I, I'm going to burst your bubble right now, and I'm not even going to apologize for it. Your friends already know that you're not perfect because they see your blind spots. And the Bible has so much to say on the subject. So there's a Bible under every chair. Go ahead and grab one. Or you can use the Renovation Church app as well, Bible and Weekly Verses. And we're going to spend a bunch of time in Proverbs this morning. Uh, Almost every chapter of Proverbs has something to say about this subject. If you're looking for something to read in the Bible uh, this week and something really is, if this message resonates with you, maybe just start in the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs chapter 19. uh, Oh, I didn't tell you what page. Uh, Just uh, pick a page. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Page 527 is where we're going to be. Uh, We're going to be in Proverbs uh, chapter 19. All right. Uh, Proverbs 19, uh, verse 20. Here's what it says. It says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, this is the end of your life, you will be counted among the wise. 
Now, let me explain this to you. When I was in seminary about 15 years ago or so, I had to do a chaplaincy rotation in a nursing home. And so once or twice a week, I would go to the nursing home, and my job was just basically to kind of knock on doors and say, hey, uh, would you like to talk? And while I did that, I learned something fascinating. So here's what would happen. I would knock on the first door, and I would meet, I swear, the sweetest woman I had ever met in my whole life. You know, and she said, oh, honey, come in, dear, dear. Oh, sit down, sit down. Would you like some tea? Right? And I'm thinking, do I look like I like tea? Like, obviously not, right? Um, but I didn't say that. I was like, yeah, sure. I love some tea, right? Sweetest woman in the world, and we'd have a nice talk. Okay, well, I was there for a couple hours, then I'd go to the next door. And the next door, it would seriously be the angriest person I had ever met in my entire life. And they'd say, get out of here. I didn't ask for any visitors. Get out. I'd go to the next door. And the next door, door would be the kindest person this side of the Mississippi, right? And I'll go to the next door, and somebody would throw something at me and say, get out of here! And it just went like that all the way down the hall. And so it was during that rotation in my life that I developed a theory on life that to me over the last 15 years has only proven to be more and more true. And it's the idea of this, that as we grow, we grow into two very distinct types of people. And you can't actually really notice the difference when we're young, but by the end of life, as the Bible says, it's actually incredibly pronounced. See, what happens is the older that you get, if you're walking on this path, and the more and more you submit to God's leading, the more and more you let the Holy Spirit's fruit-growing work move in your life. The more and more you listen to your Christian friends and you take their advice and you work on your character and you live out God's wisdom, that really will change you over eight decades or so. However, if you spend your whole life insisting that you are right and you don't need to change and whoever says otherwise is offending you and they're an imbecile and why would you listen to them, what happens is you're going to look really different. In fact, you will never mature. You'll never grow. And eventually, your inability to work on yourself and listen to others will leave you more and more isolated as life progresses. Because you're going to believe that anyone who disagrees with you isn't for you. And if they're not for you, then they can't be your friend. And before you know it, you're 80 years old, you're angry, and you're alone. And as I went on that rotation, room to room, I just could not believe how profound the differentiation was. It was as if like, there was no one in between. But I think this is right here in the scriptures. If you listen to advice, if you accept correction and discipline, then you'll be counted among the wise. But if everyone's always offending you, it's not the path to get there. And this goes kind of back to what we were saying. If your friends already see your blind spots and they can give you advice, why not give them the freedom to give that to you? I'm telling you right now, your friends see where your character is flawed, where your decision-making is weak, where you've deceived yourself, where your motivations aren't pure. You could grow so much as a believer if you would let them speak into your life. Uh, Flip back a little bit in Proverbs. Go to uh, chapter 15. I'm going to show you something else. 
Proverbs 15, this is verse 22. This proverb says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You can say this this way. You will only mature to the degree that you let your friends show you your blind spots. Okay, think about people in life that are highly, if you want to be really spiritually mature, okay, think about other realms. Think about people who are highly successful at their craft, like a famous musician or a best-selling author or an Olympic athlete. Do you know what all those people have in common? They have coaches. Coaches who pick through their weaknesses with a fine-toothed comb. Coaches that have tough conversations with them about their blind spots. And these successful people let them do that because they know that's how they're going to grow to be the best. Well, the same is true for your life. Now, you might not be able to hire a million-dollar coach, but you do have friends around you. Will you lower your pride and accept the gift of feedback from people around you? Now, I'm not saying this is going to be easy. To go to your friends, maybe your small group and house groups, maybe it's just a best friend, two or three friends, and say, hey, I just want you to know, I want to give you the freedom to call me out if you see me operating in sin, or you see me treating others wrongly, or operating out of ungodly assumptions of drifting from Christ. If you see something I don't see, I want you to tell me. Now tell me kindly, Gently, because I'm going to be sensitive about it. Tell me with lots of respect. But tell me. That's hard. That's hard to say that. Most of us will never say that to our friends. And then actually hearing it from them is even harder. If you want to do this, like if you don't want to just leave here today and go, oh, that was interesting. If you actually want to apply the word of God to your life, this will require an enormous amount of humility from you. You have to lower your pride if you're going to grow up in this because it just isn't going to be easy. And so most of us, we just don't want to do it. Like you could leave here today and go, oh, that makes sense, but it doesn't mean you're going to do it. Look to Proverbs 27 now. So chapter 27, verse 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now God has placed people around you to sharpen your character, to sharpen you as you grow as a spiritual disciple of Jesus Christ. Now look at the analogy here. He doesn't say, as soft, fuzzy puppies comfort one another, so you comfort one another. He says, as iron sharpens iron. And that analogy is on purpose. Uh, uh, Let me give an example from my own life. Let me ask you a question. When is the first time that a typical pastor receives a feedback on their message? After they give it, right? So 99% of pastors, they give a message, and they don't hear if it's good or not until after they give it. Now, after years of doing it that way, well, actually, uh, well over a decade, I decided that this wasn't the best process. And here's what sort of tipped me over the edge. I would go to my, my house group every single week, and I would sit under my small group leader. And my small group leader back then was a, a brilliant guy in our church. His name is Chris Blatchley. And I swear, like every other week, he would say to me, you know when you said the thing about the thing? Uh, that actually wasn't even true. Or 
you probably should have said it this way. And I swear, I was like, twice a month I would go, oh, where were you five days ago? And I started thinking about this, and I thought, you know what, this, this, this needs to change. And so I decided, this is uh, four or five years ago, that I would choose a team of 10 people from our church, and each week on Wednesday, I would send two of them the draft of my message for Sunday, and I would just tell them, rip this to shreds. And I would say, and they could say back to me, and say, I would, I, I can't even believe you said that. I would never say it that way, or that, where did you get that? It's not even factually true, or have you thought about this idea, and so on and, and so forth. Now, by the time I had started this process, I had already preached 500 times without anyone ever giving me feedback on my message before I gave it. And I want to tell you something. In the beginning, when I started this, when iron began to strike and sharpen my iron, the analogy is important here, it was really painful. In fact, there was a, a, a woman who attended our church back when we started. She's moved out of state now. Uh, great, a godly woman, really bright. Her name was Karis. And she was on my feedback team. And whenever Karis was on, I would, I would read through her notes, and I would finish reading. And I remember I was, uh, last time it would be like on a Saturday or something, and I was at home, and I remember saying to my wife, Lindsay, like, I gotta go for a, I just got to go for a walk. I read through stuff, and I'm out doing, like, the angry walk around my neighborhood. I'm, and I'm talking to myself, and I'm literally going, like, Karis, 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 Karis. What does she even know? She's not a pastor. She's never done this. I've, been, I've done this 500 times. She doesn't even, this is ridiculous. And I, let me tell you something now. Her advice was brilliant. It was so good. But as it was hitting me for the first time, I'm like, ow, ow, it's painful. You know, this is, this is us in America right now. We are so offended. Anybody criticizes us with anything, we just, oh, you can't, say, you can't say that about me. Let me tell you something. Accepting feedback, letting another person sharpen you, is a muscle that you can and that you must build up in your life if you want to grow in Christ. Unfortunately, almost all of us in America, that muscle is completely atrophied. And so whenever any sort of criticism comes our way, we say that we're offended. But I just want to tell you something. After years now of doing this, every single week, when I read through someone's criticism, it barely phases me. And that's because my feedback muscle has gotten built up. And that striking, just like the word says, has actually made me sharper as a leader. And I'm thankful for it because sometimes I need to hear a different kind of feedback. I need to hear feedback from my friends about my life. And I want to accept it. True friends are the ones that will give you feedback when no one else will, and even when they know that you don't want to hear it. Look at this, Proverbs 27. This is earlier in the chapter, verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted... But an enemy multiplies kisses. He loved this verse. Here's what it's saying. It's saying, okay, if you have a friend and you get to a spot in your life where you need someone to rebuke you, you know what that word means? It means they're telling you very strongly your life is going in the wrong direction. All of us are going to need to be rebuked. Probably not every day, but a couple times in our life. 
if a rebuke comes from a friend, the word is saying it will wound you. It hurts. It's the iron striking. But it says you can trust them because they're your friend and they care about you. But it says, you got to know this. And Americans, you need to hear this word. The ones who never bring your blind spots out in the open, the ones that just always compliment you, they always agree with you, as this scripture verse says, they just multiply kisses in your life. They are actually your enemy. They are the enemy of your character. Let your friends know that it's okay to speak into your life. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to let everyone in the world give you feedback. You can listen to the people who know you and whom you trust. But this also doesn't mean that you can't listen to other people. I I hear this kind of thinking all the time nowadays, too. It goes kind of like this. People say, well, they don't know me, so I get to write off everything that they say. I don't have to listen to the haters. You know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm not saying you need to bathe your ears in the words of your critics, But be aware of your pride, even here. When I I see that kind of thing, it always makes me think of one of my all-time favorite Spurgeon quotes, and I think of this one a lot. Spurgeon said this. He said, If any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are worse than he thinks you to be. Okay, let me tell you something. The reason that you get so angry when someone criticizes you, is because our view of our own humanity is too high. And it's not biblical. See, we think of ourselves as someone who is right. And generally, someone who does what is right. When someone points out that you are wrong, maybe in your thinking, maybe in your acting, but it's in some place that you can't see. It's a blind spot. Because we can't handle the idea that we are sinful or that wrong. It's like the only recourse you then have left is to claim that you're offended and then discredit that person and their comments. I want to tell you something, and I think this is important for you to understand. When you get offended, and we do all the time now, when you get offended by another person's comments, it says more about you than it does about them. Like, if we understood what Spurgeon was saying a second ago, we'd probably just be thankful that they don't know the worst about us. If you find yourself always offended, it's because in your pride, you have not come to grips yet with how sinful you actually are. The words of Jesus are so helpful, I think, to understanding our humanity, and we need this if we're going to navigate this world in friendship. Luke 18, Jesus says this, to some who were confident of their own righteousness. Okay, this is everyone says, you can't say that about me. You're not my... To some who were confident about their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That word mercy, he said, I deserve your judgment for my sin, but have mercy on me. 
And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Now, you can't criticize me, I'm right. Be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's the man who's deeply aware of his shortcomings. His friends have spoken into his life. He knows that he has blind spots all over the place, that he is a a desperate sinner. That man is going to be exalted by God. God is going to use him to grow and do tremendous things. But see, if you are always offended, you will never grow into who God wants you to be. You're just going to be like the Pharisee, ironically, because you'll believe that you've already arrived and you're already right. And you don't need to work on anything. I think it's imperative that Christians uh, make sure that they don't fall for false doctrine here. I think around this topic, there's a lot of like biblical doctrine that's sort of been intertwined together with American culture. Like, okay, yes, Christians, God has forgiven you, and he accepted you just as you were. But just because he accepted you doesn't mean he wants you to stay that way. God has given you his commands so that we could not only find life for ourselves, but also glorify him by how we live. And here's the thing. You can accept God's feedback. When the Holy Spirit starts convicting you on things, he's saying, you've got to change this in your life. You can accept his feedback into your life. Why? Because you know when, when God is giving you feedback, you know that it's coming from a place of love. This is a God who saw, has already seen even all of your future sin and said, I will die in their place. And so when he critiques you and says, you've got to work on this in your life, you're going to surrender this to me, you, can ex- you don't need to say, I'm offended by you. You can say, no, 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 I trust you because I know how deeply you love me. And so I can accept that gift of feedback. And I pray that as Christians that our friendships reflect that relationship with the Father, that we can gently, out of love, show each other our blind spots, and that we would hear the feedback from our friends Because we know that they will stick with us, whatever may come, just like Jesus has for us. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would humble us as a people. We repent this morning of our pride. We have become an immensely prideful people. And way too often in our friendships, we just... We think that we're right and that we can't do wrong. And Father, it is isolating us from our friends. Give us humility again. Or may we just humble ourselves and see us as you see us, God. Sinful but loved. And we thank you for the cross. And we just want to worship you for that now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.